Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. If you have your Bibles today, turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, and I will begin in Mark chapter 8 and verse 14, amen. Let's have a simple message for you today, I feel like the Lord spoke to me this week, uh, and I uh, want to bring to you what I feel of. the Lord said to me, impressed upon me as I read these scriptures, that I've, I've read so many times, I've read them so many times, but I felt like the Lord just showed me some few, a few things. Share them with you today. I feel like God's got a word for you, for your spirit today. If you have Mark chapter 8, verse 14, just shout, I got it. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they any in the ship. They didn't have more than one loaf. He charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is, is he saying this because we don't have no bread? Jesus said, when Jesus knew it, when he saw that they were saying that, he said unto them, why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? Having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember? When I broke the five loaves among the 5,000, how many baskets did you take up? They said, 12. He said, and when I broke the seven among the 4,000. How many baskets did you take up? They said, we took up seven. He said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? Watch verse 22. And he came with the Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up, and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Amen. Saw every man clearly. I would like to preach to you today on this subject again. Again. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much, and we're so thankful for the power that we feel in this house. We're so thankful for your presence that we feel. I pray today that you would use this word, God. Speak through to us through your word today. Encourage us, challenge us, change us, and mature us. And God, we'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor in Jesus' precious holy name. And the church said in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for standing with me today. Amen. I love reading the New Testament, and I, I genuinely have a, a great love for the Word of God. And I will encourage each and every one of you today to fall in love with the Word of God and to read and to ask God to give you understanding. Pray, pray, pray before you read. Say, God, give me understanding. And pray after you read. 
and say, God, help me retain and understand what I just read. Um, I love the New Testament, love the Gospels, but Mark is my favorite. Mark is my favorite writer of the New Testament. And there's a few reasons why I like that Mark writes with detail and he writes with uh, context. He, he, he writes with, with a lot of understanding. And the reason that that may be is Mark is the, Mark is the most recent um, after the death of Jesus to write. He's one of the first ones to write after the death of Jesus. We have Mark and Matthew who wrote very quickly. Mark wrote first. And, 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 and Matthew wrote after Mark. Mark wrote his, uh, his book first, and then Matthew wrote. Luke, uh, Luke wasn't there. And, and I love Luke because Luke has a lot of stories. But Luke is a reporter. Luke was not one of the 12 disciples. He was not uh, a partaker in all of that. He just watched it happen. And, of course, he was connected, and he got a lot of information. He even starts his book by saying, this, is his, this book is written by eyewitness accounts. Like people that were there. I got this from people that saw it happen. And so Luke is like CNN, Fox News. He's just writing information about the event. He's a journalist. And then John writes his book last. Uh, John is written after Revelation, after the Isle of Patmos. Um, John is an old man, and he writes as an old man about what he remembers happening. And John, John if you read the, the Gospel of John, there's a lot of context about what happened in that moment. But John is writing doctrinally as well because John has lived long enough to see a lot of things change after Jesus dies. And so when John begins to write, he writes from a, from a position of understanding. And he writes this way, uh, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. He's writing explanatory because of what he's seen happen. But when you get to the book of Mark, Mark's my favorite book to read because there's a lot of context. It's a lot of information, where we were, what was said, what, what people were thinking, what people had on, the city that we were in. A lot of that detail is captured by Mark because Mark was there, and Mark is a great storyteller. And so when we read the book of Mark, there's a lot of information. And there's a lot that happens in the book of Mark, chapter 8. But I want to point out just a few things that I'm going to preach here today. But uh, if you don't mind, we'll bring a little bit of Wednesday night into Sunday morning. Is that okay? We do a little Wednesday night, and then we'll do a little Sunday, and then we'll do a little Wednesday, and then we'll do a little Sunday. Is that good? Y'all fine with that? Well, I want to just talk about what happened in this moment. So they're going to, obviously they're going to a place called Bethsaida. Bethsaida means the house of fish. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place, Peter, Andrew, and John, th this is where they're from. Uh, it, it really means the place of hunters, but... None of these guys are hunters, they're fishermen, but in the, the concept is, this is a place of fishermen. This is where fishermen come from. It's a small town called Bethsaida, and they are on their way to Bethsaida, and it's the hometown of four disciples. This is their home. So they're going to this place, Bethsaida, but on the way, they somehow forget to take ample uh, lunch provisions, and they don't have enough bread. Among the 12 guys, they only have one loaf. I don't know if you've ever tried to make sandwiches with 12 people with one loaf. I don't, I don't think they made sandwiches, but it ain't enough to go around with 12 guys. Plus, you got Jesus, which makes the 13. So they got a lot of guys in this boat, and they got one loaf of bread. And the disciples are super concerned about this. And Mark, Mark adds this into the story because 
it means is this value in what's about to happen. And so here are the disciples. They don't have enough bread. They're like, man, we went on this journey. We went on this trip. We didn't bring enough bread. They're concerned about it. And so Jesus just says, and Jesus is always teaching. And then look at your neighbor and tell them that. They, they, They need to understand that. Jesus is always teaching. Amen. You know, God... God, God is not going to speak to you every day in an audible voice. God's not going to talk to you. And the, some of y'all in here that God talks to you all the time, you know, hooray for you. But for the rest of us, God is like, you know, he, you know it's like a premonition. It's like, a, it's like a, God impresses on us. You know, you, 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 you feel something or you're like, you know what, I need to. And I feel that God, but God ain't always talking. But for those of you that he sits down with every day and has a Coke and some Doritos, good for you. Thank you so much for making the rest of us feel bad. That God's not talking to us every day. But, but Jesus is always teaching. And so Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And beware of the leaven of Herod. And instead of the disciples hearing the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach, they go, he's mad because we didn't bring enough bread on the ship. They start talking amongst themselves. They say, this is, this is, he's saying this because, you know, we didn't bring enough bread. And when Jesus realized that they're so concerned with the natural thing, Jesus says, what? Why can't you see? Why can't you hear? Why, why have you forgotten? He says, y'all remember when all we had was five loaves and I fed 5,000? How many baskets did y'all take up? He said, 12. Good. Remember when all we had was seven loaves and we had 4,000 people? How many baskets did y'all take up that time? Seven. This ain't about the bread. I got bread. I could take that one loaf that y'all barely brung and feed you for the rest of your life. I'm God. This ain't about bread. This is about something spiritual. Amen. Too many of us get caught up in the natural things that surround us that we miss the spiritual things that are happening. Let me say it again. We get so caught up in this natural world. We get so caught up with what's in front of our face that we miss the spiritual lessons that God is trying to teach us and show us because Jesus is always teaching. Somebody said amen. Amen. He's teaching and he's talking about leaven. And if there's any ladies in here that bake or even some guys that bake, if you know anybody here that's been on cupcake wars or whatever, I don't know. When, 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 you have, when you have the dough, if you want the dough to rise, if you want it to, if you want it to, to get puffy, you got to put some leaven in it. But leaven is unpredictable. Because you can take one, one pile of dough and you can take two, two piles of dough, you can put the same pinch of leaven in each of them and they're both going to look different. They're going to rise to different levels because leaven makes things rise. Leaven makes it puff up, makes it look bigger than it really is. You, you let it rise for a little while. So when you bake it, it's, it's got a lot of air in it. And it, that, 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 that leaven and that yeast, they get together and they make a, a chemical reaction and it begins to swell and grow and gets puffy and it's full of air. And then when you bake it, it looks pretty. And Jesus is saying, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees because they're full of themselves. They're puffed up. Got a lot of air in them. They, they look good. Here's what he told the Pharisees. He said, you're like coffins. You're pretty on the outside, dead on the inside. 
Because, because you got, you, you puffed up and you, and, and you look fancy. Be careful of the seat of Herod where you let the power go to your head. And he's talking to these disciples who are on this boat. They're about to be the apostles of the new birth church. And he's telling them, he's teaching them, be careful that that same spirit of leaven that's on them Pharisees don't get on you. Don't think you're above it. Don't think you're more powerful than the leaven. Be careful of the leaven because all you need is a pinch of pride. Oh, hallelujah. Who am I preaching to? He said, all you need is a pinch of pride and it'll puff you up. And you'll be, you'll be out there dressing fancy like they are. And you'll be standing in the street beating your chest talking about, look how great I am. Be careful that that power doesn't go to your head like it does Herod. And you think you're, you think you're above God because you, you put a little bit of leaven in the recipe. And they think that he's talking about that little measly piece of bread that they got with them. And he's like, I'm not talking about what's in the boat. I'm talking about what's in your heart. You keep focusing on that. Man, I fed 5,000 with five loaves and I fed 4,000 with seven loaves. Don't worry about that. I can make enough bread to feed everybody on this lake right now. It ain't about this. Stop looking at the natural thing and look with the spiritual eye it's not about what you have on the boat it's about what you have in your heart you have eyes but you can't see you have ears but you can't hear you got a brain in your head but you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you how long have I been with you why don't you remember hallelujah it's not about what's in the boat it's about what's in your heart I'm I'm teaching you to be careful that you don't let the power and the position go to your head and puff you up and make you full of air. And, it, and leaven's unpredictable. A little bit of pride can make it go, can go a long way. And a little bit of pride for you may, may, may look like a, a lot different than a little bit of pride for me. But be careful of that leaven. And he's preaching a biblical and supernatural concept. That they can only see with their natural eyes. Well, he's mad because we didn't bring enough bread. I ain't worried about that bread. I will feed you forever with that one loaf. I can make enough meal and oil, stay in the barrel and the cruise for two years. I ain't worried about that little bit of bread. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes we look at our life and we look at things that we have or don't have. And we expect God to react to those things. I hear people telling me all the time, well, you know, we didn't do this and we did that. So God, God's not petty like you. God's not petty like me. People do stuff to you, you do stuff back. God's not that way. If God rewarded us for our actions, we'd all be dead right now. But his grace and his mercy is sufficient for every one of us. We got to stop looking at the stuff that we have or don't have and think that God cares about that. No, he cares about your heart. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? My hallelujah. What is in your heart? Because what's in your heart matters most. The very next thing that happens is they show up at Bethsaida. And when they get to Bethsaida in verse 22, the Bible says they brought him a blind man. And they besought him, Lord, touch him. They brought him to him and said, Lord, touch this man. He's blind. And Jesus says, okay, I'll touch him. And the Bible says he took the blind man by the hand. <clears throat> took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Now, everybody up to this point has been healed in town. 
Nobody's had to leave town to be healed. But this man needed to leave town to be healed. He needed to get away from all them people. Amen. God said, I can't heal you here. I got to take you somewhere to heal you. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm God right here. Just like I'm God over there, but I can't heal you right here. Let me get you away from this situation. Let me bring you over here so I can do something supernatural in your life. And, and if you thought him taking this man into an uncomfortable place and out of town was bad, the next thing that happens is he spits in the man's eye. I don't know about this one. Now, John, about 60 years from this writing, about 60, 62, 63 years from this writing, John is going to write about this same story. And John's going to tell us that he spit in the dirt and made some mud and put it in his eye. Still not okay with that. But Mark don't say nothing about the dirt. He is like Jesus spit on his eyes. He did what? Now preachers be spitting, you know. That's why we you know, put you back a little bit. So you're not in the wet zone at the Shamu show. <laughs> Pastors are preaching and all the peas be happening. And psh, 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 psh. I don't want to drizzle you. I don't want to drizzle you. At the church, you can come look at my iPad. It's got spots all over it. Because it, preachers be spitting. If you're preaching good, you're just going to spit. If your preacher don't spit, leave that church. He ain't preaching right. <laughs> but this wasn't a preacher and spit. This was a... Like right in your eye spit. Like He spit in the man's eye. Now, I don't care who you are or where you're from. If you come up here, they say, I need a touch from the Lord, and I spit on you. Okay, you. Uh... No, you didn't just spit in my face. About to catch these hands right here. You could be so full of the Holy Ghost, be like, Lord. Bruh, did you just spit in my eye? This is a crazy story. Jesus spit in the man. He ain't spit on nobody yet. I mean, why can't you just speak to it like you did that centurion guy? You spoke to him and everything was fine with him. You called Lazarus from the grave. Just said Lazarus and he came out and raised the man from the dead with a word. You got to spit in my eye. What's wrong with me? (laughs) You took one guy by the hand, raised him up. He walked forever, but you got to spit on me. Here's the deal, is that sometimes to get a touch from the Lord, he puts us in uncomfortable places. He took him out of town, his comfort zone, and he spit in his eye, which was not okay, but he's about to touch him. Something super, listen, if God's asking you to do something that's uncomfortable for you, that may be the exact thing you need to do. That will release the supernatural thing in your life. Hallelujah. You keep sitting here in your pretty little church process, mind process, where everything has got to be like this. And I'm waiting for the altar call. But what if God wants to touch you right here, right now? Outside of the parameters of the town. And outside of the, the parameters of what I think. And outside of the parameters of the blueprint that we call church. What if God wants to do something uncomfortable that will be unprecedented. That can move you to an anointing that you never had before. 
There's some folks in this room right now. You need the Holy Ghost, but but you're uncomfortable with it. And you say, I don't know. I'm just uncomfortable with that. Well, maybe that's exactly the thing that God's bringing you out. Say, hey, come out of your understanding. Come out of your comfort zone. Come over here with me and let me do a new thing in you. And I'll show you the supernatural move of my power. Say, well, God's wanting me to join this ministry and I'm uncomfortable. Baby, join the ministry. Come on over here and be uncomfortable because God works in uncomfortable places and God works in uncomfortable seasons. And you may be struggling right now, but it just may be the right time for God to do a miracle in your life. Some of y'all remember the first time God hit you. You remember the first time God touched you, rolled you in the floor, tore your suit up. You didn't care who was looking, but now you become fancy. You got, you, you're a fancy Christian now. Oh, we just pretty Pentecostals up in here and we looking all good. Maybe God wants to roll you in the floor again. Maybe God wants to touch you. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I just, I'm just uncomfortable there. I'm just, I don't like that. I just, you know, maybe that's the place. You know, we're so, we're so American. We've been going to Burger King so long. We think that everything has to be my way right away. And it ain't your way. God spoke to one man, touched one man, spit in another man's eye. God made one guy dip seven times. God's going to do it differently every time. There is no cookie cutter way to connect with the supernatural. You may pray one prayer and God make fire fall from heaven. But it may take you seven times to get rain to fall from heaven. God is not always going to work inside the blueprint and the parameters of what you think church should be or how you think church should be. But sometimes God takes you out of town, spits in your eye, and you're thinking, what are you doing? I'm about to change your life. That's what I'm doing. And there's somebody this week, you prayed and said, God, what are you doing? And I got a word for you. He's about to do something that's going to blow your mind. Hang on. Don't get offended. Don't run away. Don't give up. God's about to do something miraculous. He had to take him out of town because he was about to do something unique. If he would have spit on that man in town, that may have been a problem. I'll tell you right now, I love God, I love this word, but if some prophet came here to preach for me, and some teacher came here to preach, and after service he said, who needs the touch from the Lord, and people came down and started spitting on him, I'm like, look, bro, you, <laughs> I appreciate you and all that, but we can't be spitting on people, bro. That's not how we roll around here. We just don't spit on people. I mean, I got some, some great brother George, brother Brian, I, uh, Pastor John. I'll tell you right now, th- th- these guys will remove you quickly. <laughs> if you're up in the altar spitting on people, tell them, I know the Lord told me to spit on them. No, I, well, that may, the, the spirit is subject to the prophet. Don't you be spitting on people in my church. We, we, we have been in God's way for a long time. And, I, and I'm not saying start spitting on people this Sunday. Don't get me wrong now. I'm just saying that sometimes God has to remove us from the parameters of the town because what I'm about to do may offend the next person. And I don't need no distractions right here. 
And sometimes God has to move you out of your comfort zone. Ooh, some of y'all have been moved out of your comfort zone even now. In the last few months, you've been pushed out of your comfort zone. And God's been asking you to do stuff. And God's moving you. And I came today to tell you, don't, do not fight the uncomfortability of this moment. But just lean into it and say, Lord, spit again if you got to. Because I want something miraculous. And I want something new. And I don't care what you're doing. Sometimes we get ourselves in a mess when we say, Lord, whatever you want to do is find me. Okay, I'll do it. Lord, I don't care. If you don't care, well, I'll do it. But sometimes we've got to stand and say, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it because I want a supernatural move of the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout yes. yes. He says, how do you see? How's your eyes? He said, Lord, I see, but it's blurry. I see. Lord, you gave me light, but you didn't give me clarity. I see, but it's blurry. I see men as trees. It's confusing. I, 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 can't, I, I, I can't see clearly. I can see. Now, you've got to imagine how exciting this moment would have been for this man. I mean, you know, sometimes when you read scripture, it's hard to read context. We just read text. But, I mean, this guy was born blind. This is a blind guy. He can't see nothing. I mean, a little bit of light is better than nothing. I mean, I can at least see, you know, shapes and sizes. And I can, I can at least tell what things are. And I, I, I know it's a man. It's not a tree, but it resembles a tree. How did a man even know what a tree looked like? But he's just like, I just, I'm confused at what I see. But thank God I can see. He probably, you know, ran, probably would have run into town, but like, I can see, I can see. No, I can't see clearly. But I see. But me and you know that after a while, that would have frustrated him. In the moment, it may have been miraculous, but after a while, having no focus, having no clarity. Some of us have light. Thank God you got light. You got Jesus in your life and you got light, but you don't have clarity. Mm. There's a difference between light and clarity. Yeah. You see, if you're you're my age, 40 and and over, then, then you remember when stuff came to, you would buy things and you would have to focus those things yourself. You, if you're back in the day when you bought a TV, you had to get a TV, and there was a, listen, this is crazy, but there was a button called focus. And you would have to manually focus stuff. You buy a camera from the store, you get the camera home, you'd have to focus that camera. Well, no such thing as automatic focus. Everything was manual. And you'd sit there and adjust it just right, and it'd be good for you. And then the person next to you would be like, I don't really see that good. That's because you're blind. <laughs> but you would have to manually focus. Back in the day, you had to manually focus. Nowadays, everything's automatic. You know, automatically focus. Everything focuses immediately. Everything comes into clarity. You, you buy the, the package, you know. Back in the day, you buy a 27-inch TV. It was 27 inches wide, four feet deep. <laughs> and, and, and you'd have to sit there and just get that, that focus just right. But now you buy one, it's like an inch thick and, and it comes automatically perfect clarity and, and there's a lot of people 
and myself included and probably everyone in this room, when you first met Jesus and you first got the Holy Ghost and you first had that first touch, you could see. But over the years, there's been a lot of stuff coming to clarity. Uh, over time, over time, you, 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 you see things a little clearer and there's confusion in the beginning. And, 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 but, but over time, there's a, there is a manual focus on this thing sometimes that takes time, effort, and energy to get it just right. But Jesus does not tell this man, go, and over time, you will see clearly. He didn't tell him there's a 12-step program you need, and when you graduate from our 12-step program, you shall see clearly. He said, no, let me touch you again. In the same moment, Jesus, the Bible says that he touches him in verse 25, after that he put his hands again upon his eyes. Now, I don't want to be disrespectful. If Jesus came in this room right now in the flesh and touched you and it wasn't just right, you probably wouldn't tell him. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You're, I'm not going to offend you. Like, no, I'm fine. I see. I'm good. I'm fine. You would not tell God, God, you did an incomplete work in me. Mm. None of us would look at Jesus and say, no, no, Jesus. It was good. I appreciate the light, but it just, it just ain't just right. Well, there's some folks in here right now, it ain't just right. You've had a touch, but it ain't just right. You got the Holy Ghost, but you're still broken. You've been baptized and you're still wounded. Woo! You've been to the altar, but you're still bitter. You know, I can see, but it's just, there's some, there's some things in my vision that make it unclear. That make, I'm confused. I'm confounded. It just isn't right. God is willing to touch you again if you ask him. Oh, I come to tell somebody there's more to Jesus than you've already gotten. You can get more. You say, Lord, touch me again. It ain't right. Touch me again. I'm still struggling. Touch me again. I still need a touch, Lord. I'm coming back. Touch me again. I'm not leaving until you touch me again. God, do it again. What you did that first time, do it again. Because I need more strength. And I need more hope. And I need more help. And I'm struggling, Lord. Do it again. What you did back then then do it again I come to tell somebody God's willing to touch you again God's willing to put his hands on you again God's willing to heal you again this ain't a one time moment but God can do it again and again and again and again and you can see clearer you can get deeper you can be better Don't walk away with a half healing. Lord, I'm healed, but I'm not whole. And I'm not leaving till I'm whole. Touch me again. Hallelujah. There's power when you say, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Make me uncomfortable again. Spit in my eye again. Lay hands on me again. Put me in the floor again. Drop me to my knees again. I want to unpack a few things here. The Bible says that when he put on his hands on him the first time, and he, he, the Bible said he looked and he saw men. 
He said, oh, I see the men as trees. But the second time, verse, what's verse 25? In verse 25, it said, after that, he put his hands upon him again and made him to look up. The first time the Bible says he looked up and he saw the men. But the second time the Bible says God, Jesus made him to look up. Look up. And when he was looking up, he was restored. And he saw every man clearly. If you keep looking at me, your vision will always be distorted. Because I am a poor example. But if you can look up to him and see him first. You can see me clearly. There's a lot of people sitting in this room. You think you got a people problem. But no, you need to look up and see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you can see people very clearly. I wish I had some help. You keep thinking your husband is the problem. No, no, no. Look at Jesus and you can see him clearly. You keep thinking your wife is the problem. No, no, no. Look at Jesus and see him. Look up for I look to the hills from which cometh my help. And when I looked up first, then I saw the man clearly. I did not start this church so you could see me. We did not start this church so you could see us. We started this church so that you can see Jesus. And if you can see Jesus clearly, you'll see this church a whole lot better. If you can see Jesus. Stop looking at me. Stop looking at your neighbor. It will always be, it will always be a distorted picture when you look at people because people are messed up just like you. But when I look up first and I see him, when I look back, I see clearly. When you've experienced mercy, it's easier to give mercy. When you've experienced grace, it's easy to see grace. Oh. When you come into the throne room boldly and seeing that there is no judgment and there is no condemnation, when you look down, you, there's no judgment and there's no condemnation. I don't have a distorted picture of you because I know you're in the hands of an almighty God. I've seen him and me and him are good. So me and you got to be good. How can a man say that he loves God whom he have not seen but hate his brother whom he have seen? You need to see God. see me clear if you can see him a lot of you would understand me if you would just try to understand God you know for a long time I was on a search to learn about people but, but really if you learn about God and you learn this word people come real easy yeah if you start studying people man I'm so different from you you're so different than me and there ain't one of us the same it's like you know what if you're if you're a Ford F-150 mechanic and you're working on Ford F-150s that was made in the 80s, there ain't much changed on that truck in the 80s. I mean, it's the same thing, same carburetor, uh, same engine. I mean, it's pretty much the same. You can, you can be a mechanic on a vehicle and pretty much stick with it and you're good because everything's pretty much the same. But people, we're not that way. We are not that way. We come from so many different places. We have so many different experiences. And our makeups are totally different. And so if, if you keep trying to learn about me, 
we're going to have some trouble because I'm different than you and you're different than me and we see things differently and we have different loves and likes and dislikes. But when I learn of him, the more I read this Bible, the more I'm okay with you. Because the more I see this Bible, the more I read this word and understand him and understand his presence and his power. I see myself in the distortion that I should see myself. And so when I look at you, it's hard for me to judge you because I know that I'm struggling too. Come on, somebody. Look up. And then when you look down, you have mercy. Look up. And then when you look down, you have understanding. Look up. And then when you look down, you won't have condemnation. Look up. And when you look down, you won't have judgment. There's no distortion. That's a good word right there. That's a good word right there. I'm closing. He says, do it again, Lord. Again. Touch me again. I wonder when's the last time you prayed that God would take you back to that first place that he touched you. Because there's a lot of folks in this room. You, you, you become so professional. Professional Christians. We know how to dress, know how to act, know, how, know when to say amen. But if we could have seen you on the night you got the Holy Ghost, you weren't pretty at all. You were snatching and shaking, talking all kinds of crazy, jumping around. You, you just feel what if you said, God, do that again? Because my vision is blurry. <laughs> and it seems like after a real good touch, I have clarity. Huh. But we, th- we see people doing that now and we're like, oh, mm, bless them, Jesus. But they're having an experience that this world cannot wipe away. You know, You can read all the books you want to read. You can have all the knowledge you want to have. But baby, I got experience. I've heard God speak to me. I felt his touch. I've watched him heal. I've watched him restore. He's extended mercy to me. Not in the book. Not something I read. Not some kind of fancy. No. He he extended mercy to me. I was glad when they said unto me. Let us go to the house. You know what I did. Do you know what I did? Me. And here I am, good, gracious. God is good. And you can't convince me otherwise. Because I remember you should have been there when I prayed through. Church was on fire and the Holy Ghost too. From the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Woo. God touched me like that again. God, bring me to an uncomfortable place. Put me in an uncomfortable position. Make me do stuff I've never done before. God, do it again in my life. Touch me again. God, speak to me again. When I was 22, the Lord spoke to me audibly, clearly. Not a, not a push, not a premonition, not, not, not a touch. It was a, it was a word. One word. Go. That's all he spoke to me. One word. It was so loud, so profound that I literally spun around. To see who said it, there was nothing there but a wall. I mean, I thought somebody had come behind me and got right at my ear and said, go. It shook me. I felt the power in the word. 
the man who was preaching stopped preaching, walked across the room, looked me in my face and said, I heard that. God told you to go. And when he said it, I heard it. It's an amazing experience. Almost six and a half, almost seven years later, I preached my first revival as an evangelist. And I remember praying, Lord, whenever you change my ministry, I want it to be as profound as when you called me. And that was my prayer. Lord, this is what I prayed. Lord, do it again. Whenever you change what what you want me to do, do it again. That moment where there was no doubt, no fear. That moment where I was just sure. God, do that again. And I was living at 206 Eddie M. Lane. And I was in Bass, North Carolina. And I was getting up early one morning to go get on a plane, to go preach six, seven years into my evangelistic ministry. Everybody knew my name. I, has, I was quote, unquote, successful, whatever that means. That, that word has changed for me dr- dramatically over my life. But at that time, I felt like a successful evangelist. And I woke up, and I didn't want to get on the plane. It made me nauseous. To think about leaving my house made me sick. I was like, God, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't even want to go. Like, what am I doing? And I started having all these thoughts like, are you going to do this forever? You're always going to be getting up and go get on another plane? I mean, where did these thoughts come from? I mean, I never had these thoughts. I was the guy who was like, I'm going to evangelize forever. I love this. This is what I'm called to do. I love doing this. This is great. And I woke up one morning and I didn't want to. And that was a crazy experience. I was so uncomfortable. I said, God, what is this I'm feeling? Ugh. Literally, this was the exact conversation I had with God. What What is this? And I remembered my prayer. God, whenever you change it, do it again. Make it so profound. Make it so moving that I cannot escape it. And just like that voice that spoke go to me, I felt God change my ministry standing in that room. And in that room, in 206 Eddie M. Lane, North Carolina, this church was born in that room. Because I said, God, do it again. Whenever you shift me, whenever you move me, I want you to take me out of the town, spit in my eye, make it so crazy. Matter of fact, it was so crazy, Brother Canary, I wouldn't even talk to Amanda about it. I said, Lord, if this is you, I'm not, I'm not telling you know how my wife is. You know how that family, they're not going nowhere, baby. I'm like, Lord, you got to do this thing because I'm out. That's on you, Jesus. And about six months after that, six months. For six months, I traveled, and almost every time I get on the plane, I get sick. Almost every time. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, I got to go start a church. And I'm saying this to myself. I'm like, God, God, there's a church in me. And I'm, I'm like getting all excited. I'm going to churches and preaching revivals and falling in love with the people. I never did that before. I'm like, God bless y'all. I'm out. Peace. Deuces. I'm like going to churches. I'm like, man, I love this church. Man, this is awesome. Man, I'm hugging people, learning people's names and pet kids on the head. I'm like, whoo, I'm feeling it. It's like growing in me. 
True Tapper was growing in me. I said, God, you go. And six months after God woke me up that morning, I'm driving down the road one day. And Amanda says, do you think we'll stay here forever? And I'm totally lost. I'm like, well, you know, most husbands are totally lost. I'm like, well, I don't know. We may move, you know, get a, move to a neighborhood or something. I don't know. You know, she's like, no, 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 no. She said, do you think we'll stay in North Carolina forever? I said, what you talking about, Willis? And she started crying. She said, the Lord's been dealing with me about starting a church. And I started crying. And she goes, oh, no, it's true. It, that's exactly how it happened. She said, oh, no, it's true. I said, baby, I've been, I've been fighting this thing for six months. God's got me outside the town. He's spitting in my eye. I'm so uncomfortable. I don't, but, but I prayed God do it again. I prayed that prayer. I said, God, do it again. Whenever you want me to shift, do it again. And there's some people in this room, you need to pray an again prayer. God, do it again. What you did back then, do it again. Do it again, God. I remember when you shook me to my feet. God, do it again. I remember when I rolled in the floor and I cried and I wept. God, do it again. I remember when you spoke to me and there was no denying the voice of God. Do it again, oh God. I remember when you woke me up at three in the morning and I couldn't go back to sleep because I had to pray. God, do it again. Do it again. Touch me again. Take me outside the town. Spit in my eye. Do it again, God. Touch me again. Would you stand all over this room? Would you lift those hands to heaven and say, God, do it again? There's some folks in this room today. You need to come to an altar. You need God to touch you for the first time. But there's some other people in this room. You need God to do it again. The second time, the third time, the fourth time. God, do it again. I know I hurt your voice, God. Do it again. I know I felt you. Do it again. Say it again. In your Bible, in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that God speaks to Moses. Oh, to, I'm sorry. God speaks to Noah. He says, Noah, build me a boat. And you'll read a few scriptures and you'll see this word. And again, God spoke. <laughs> God, thank you for that again voice. That first time I thought I had ate some bad pizza. And you were saying build a boat and I was kind of confused. But thank you for talking again. And again, God spoke to Noah. And God said, oh God, thank you for that again voice. God, do it again. Do it again in this house today, God. Take us outside the town, God. Get us in an uncomfortable place. Spit in our eye. Whatever you got to do. But change me. I want to see clearly. Ooh, hallelujah. God, thank you for the light. But I want to see clearly. Thank you for vision. But my vision is blurred. Touch me again. If you're in this house today and your vision is a little bit blurred. And you need God to touch you again. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.